pray in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. The Gospel starts with the verse, When they came toward the crowd, a man approached. This Gospel comes from Matthew 17, which is right after the Transfiguration, where Jesus is revealed as the Son of God to his three apostles, Peter, James, and John. And then they come to the crowd, and a man approaches. This verse is like literally the gospel message. God comes down to us so that we can come to God. But what is our response? Do we come toward God? Notice the boy's ailment. The father cries out, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and suffers severely. Often he falls into the fire and often into water. We often do things that hurt ourselves. It's like we don't know what we're doing. We don't know the consequences to our actions. We're like this little boy, stricken with a demon, who's falling into water and fire and is hurting himself, and a father, like a good father, runs to Jesus and wants healing. And God promises to help us. Jesus, in healing this little boy, fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah 43. And I want you to declare it with me. Can you? Say this with me. Thus says the Lord, who created and formed you, do not fear. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Verse 2 continues, When you pass through waters, I will be with you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. But we have to come to Him and let Him save us. This story in Matthew 17 is the exact same story in Mark chapter 9. The Father goes to the apostles. He doesn't get healing. He, then He goes to Jesus and He says, Heal my Son! And Jesus asks him, do you believe that I can do this? The father says, and say this with me, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. The father recognizes in himself, there's part of him that does believe in Jesus. Yes, you can do it, Lord. But there's a part of him that doesn't believe. And so, as I continue in this homily, I want you to, I want you to pray for me, and I also want you to pray for yourselves and this community. This prayer, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. If there's anything in our hearts that is like moving us to unbelief, pray this prayer, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. This is where the homily gets a little difficult. It's easy to talk about Jesus. It's not hard to talk about the gospel. But sometimes when we talk about how the gospel influences our lives and our choices, that's when people get a little like, Abuna, don't tell me what to do. Abuna, just stick with the word. People don't like when a priest talks about politics. They say, it's not your place, Abuna. But when politics influence our lives, which that's what they are, we have to communicate it. Because Jesus wants the kingdom of God to come to earth. This is why Jesus comes down a mountain so that we can come to Him. And so we have to talk about it. There's a proposal on the ballot called Proposal 3. 
We're all, I pray, going to vote on November 8th. And as a priest, I have a moral obligation to speak about it. Proposal 3 is called the Right to Reproductive Freedom, or as they call it, Reproductive Freedom for All. The title sounds fine. Everyone should have a right to reproductive freedom, of course. But what does that mean? The amendment is 323 words, and if it's passed, it would enter into our state constitution and would be irrevocable. No legislature, no state-appointed officials can change this law because it will now enter a con- it'll be a constitutional amendment. On the ballot, you will read a well-crafted 98-word summary of the proposal that makes it sound much more agreeable. But we have to dive into what the proposal actually is saying and its consequences. And as we dive into the words of the proposal, I want you to really stick with this reality that words matter. Legal experts describe this proposal, this amendment, as the most extreme abortion measure in the country. This amendment is so extreme that if, listen to this, if people really knew what was in the proposal, they would overwhelmingly vote no. But right now, the proposal has a 60% yes because people don't know what is in it. So we need to talk about it. And if you didn't want me to, if you came here for Jesus, you're getting Jesus. You're getting Jesus. Jesus wants to speak truth in our lives, and he wants to inform how we live as Christians. So I'm going to go through three points, and it's going to get a little technical, but I'm going to try to break it down. Point number one. The amendment reads, and I'm literally reading from the direct text of what will enter our Constitution. Every individual has a fundamental right to reproductive freedom, which entails the right to make decisions about all matters relating to pregnancy, included but not limited to prenatal care, childbirth, postpartum care, contraception, sterilization, abortion care, miscarriage management, and infertility care. Based on the word individual, can you just say individual? Individual. Based on the word individual, legal experts say that this gives the same rights to a minor as it gives to an adult. Therefore, it it makes no age distinction for all the kids who have always said, I should have the same rights as an adult. Well, this this amendment is saying, sure. We trust you, children, to make your medical decisions, even regardless of what your parents say. And so the amendment entails a complete loss of parental rights for all matters involving sexuality because it protects the rights of the individual. Not an adult, not an 18 and up. An individual has all the rights in their sexuality, about their sexuality. So a little 12-year-old child can say and do whatever they want because they have the same rights as a 19-year-old or a 30-year-old. And so if the parents are an obstacle to their child's rights, 
then the child's rights take precedent. The parent's voice no longer matters in, in terms of sexuality. So, if this proposal passes, children can get an abortion without parental consent. Children can be prescribed hormone therapy for gender transitions without parental consent. You'll never know about it. You don't need to know about it. Schools can provide hormone therapy and gender transitions without parental knowledge. Schools can give secret counsel to children who are gender confused. Schools can lead kids to get abortions without parental knowledge. For those who are on more of the pro-choice side, a little more liberal side, leaning, are you comfortable with losing your parental rights to instruct and support your children in the right decision? If people knew what was in this amendment, it would be an overwhelming no. Because even pro-choice people that have read the amendment are saying, this is too extreme. This is too far. I'm a parent. I want to have the rights of a parent to instruct and lead my children in the right decisions. Kids don't know what they're doing yet. Point number two. The amendment would eliminate the partial birth and late-term abortion ban. Let's read the amendment. The amendment says, it allows the state to regulate abortion after fetal viability. That's, that's good. That's a good thing. There should be regulation after fetal viability. So it says it allows the state to regulate abortion after fetal viability. But then it says, but not prohibit if medically needed to protect a, a patient's life or physical or mental health. It introduces a mental health exception for the mother that allows for an abortion at any point for any reason. So if at eight months or nine months or the day of a mother's delivery, if she sees a psychologist and says, that I can't do this, my mental health, says mental health, she can find a therapist that will say, great, abortion, stamp. So I want to ask you these questions for those who are maybe leaning more towards the pro-choice side. Are you okay with full-term abortions? Because that's what's on the ballot. 80% of Americans, 80% reject abortion in the third trimester. So then why is there a 60% yes vote on Proposal 3? If 80% reject abortion when the, when the mother is literally like, and the baby is so visible. So if people really knew what was in this amendment, what would the vote be? And yet many people say the church shouldn't be talking about it. Point number three. The amendment reads, the state shall not penalize, prosecute, or otherwise take adverse action against someone for aiding or assisting a pregnant individual in exercising their right to reproductive freedom with their voluntary consent. It protects abortion providers from penalties for killing or injuring a woman during an abortion. 
So basically, it's risk-free abortion for the providers. It also, the providers don't need to be licensed or inspected. There's no more regulation for abortion clinics. And finally, our tax dollars will go to abortion. This is all in the amendment. So here are some action items. First thing, vote no. Vote no for the amendment. If you're not registered to vote, register and vote no. What are we going to vote? No. Vote no on Proposal 3. Because of the reality of Proposal 3, and now that you know what's in the proposal, I don't want to shame anyone to vote no. I never would want to shame you and say, shame on you if you vote yes. That's not my style. You have a free choice. And yet, if you don't vote no, it is a grave sin. It's a sin. It's a big deal. Because now that you know what's in the amendment, by voting yes, you are cooperating with evil. Second thing that we have to do, we have to share with others how extreme this really is. Communicate the truth. Share the homily. As you leave, we're going to pass out these vote no on proposal three. On the back there's Arabic. Share this. But I want to encourage us and really communicate this is important. If we only talk to people who agree with us, this proposal will lose. We will lose. We have to talk to the more moderate, which is mostly Michigan. We have to talk to the maybe pro-choice leaning people who say that it's a woman's right to choose and yet don't really know what's in the proposal. We have to communicate what this proposal is. Finally, I want to end with compassion. We need to have compassion when we talk to people who are more pro-abortion, pro-choice. When we try to convince people that this is too far, if we lead with judgment and condemnation, if we lead with shame, we will fail. Don't demonize people. If all you do is speak to people you agree with, then we're going to lose. Remember that we're in a spiritual battle. But who's the battle against? The devil. The devil and his lies. Say this with me. Pro-abortion people are not my enemy. The devil is my enemy. We need to see people as children of God created in the image of the Father. We need to not demonize them. They are not our enemy. They're hurt. They're confused. They don't know. And so lead with compassion. Feel for them. And then once they're ready to hear it, communicate the truth. I'm only one person. I need you. This church has so much that it can give to this community. We have to talk about it. Our mission is to bring people to Jesus. And so let's go back to the Gospel real quick and I'm almost done. The man goes to the apostles and they couldn't heal him. Jesus says, 
O faithless and perverse generation, bring him to me. Our job, bring him to Jesus. Do not despair, there is hope. Bring everyone to the one who heals. Amen? Amen. I just want to pray a Hail Mary, because a Hail Mary is so powerful. Pray for the destruction of Proposal 3, and I pray for all of us to have a conversion in our hearts, that if we're struggling with what I just said, that we come to see a, an unborn child as a living person made in the image of God. And I pray that all of us are sent out, and for the next three weeks, we devote our time and energy to defeating this proposal. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. 